You're listening to Leader FM. Leader FM is hosted by executive coach Dr. Scott Francis and marketing media man Tony Creech. Hello, I'm Tony Creech. I'm here with Dr. Scott Francis. Hi. Uh, Scott is the founder of Advanced Leadership, and I'm one of the co-founders of Humble Strong. And we get together and we talk about what it means to advance in leadership and uh, what it means for leadership coaches, what it means for leaders. And uh, so we're doing this live and without edits, and we just want to invite you here to take a moment to think about the meaning of leadership and to dive right in. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Scott, a bit about your mission at Advanced Leadership and your personal mission as a leadership coach and how that's evolved. Okay, we should clarify here. This is something Tony and I had a conversation about uh, about a week ago. And uh, what's happening at this moment is that I'm, I'm renovating. Mm. I, what I had before in my mission statement uh, is needing to be updated. And so I do this with a lot of companies. We work on what they had before and we renovate it to whatever the next season is. Mm. And you know what they say, the cobbler's shoes, are the, or the kids of the cobbler are the last ones to get shoes. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. My own leadership uh, development purpose statement needs to be be strengthened. And, and, and so I'll, I'll talk about what I had before. Um, uh, Basically, how I was working before was on the idea that leadership, because it flows from who we are as individuals, my, what I really focused on was the essence of what's happening on the internal life of the leader. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I, I worked to help people to become people of substance so that they live a full life. And from there, they have a meaningful impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of expanded now. Well, that's that's where I was before. Because in in that it just inside that it, it what I'm hearing is that you feel like there's a lot of lack of substance yeah. in leaders and in leadership. Yeah. Well, I I think a big part of it is is uh, substance as a human. Mm. Um, I think too often someone is leading from a place of of emptiness. You know, it, it, they're just trying to get the right number of widgets made, mm-hmm. and and they're leaving a trail of bodies behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so you get a lot of companies that have an extreme amount of turnover. And when I get in there and find out, well, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it's it's the leader that is is causing an undue amount of stress with the staff. You know, and people don't leave bad jobs; they leave bad leaders. So I would. I would work deeply with them mm-hmm. on what's happening in their internal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I still, that's still a very big part of what, what I'm working on. However, uh, I think it's, I'm taking it deeper now, uh, going to the next level, uh, because it's not just that you become a person of substance because, you know, there's a whole lot of literature and, and, and things out there that you can do to, to become a person of substance. And I, I'll definitely take you there. But, but as well, you've got to be a person of substance who is making the lives of your, your staff and the people that you're serving better. And at the same time, you're efficiently making these widgets Mm-hmm. Because the last thing you need is for your company to fall apart. You know, your people may be happy, but if you're not, if you're, at the end of the day, your bottom line is not, is not coming through, well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not long before your company falls apart. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're working on profits at, and 
that, that the uh, culture of the organization is healthy. Um, there's a lot that can be said for keeping that healthy because you can limit turnover. Turnover is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've estimated it's somewhere between uh, a year to a year and a half worth of salary to replace somebody that you lose. So we want to make sure that that's there. Mm-hmm. But anyways, all that to say, I'm, I'm working on renovating my mission statement now. Yeah, what would, what would, what would it be in a stab? <laughs> What's, I think you're probably at a complex level with it where you have a lot of elements. What are, yeah, what, what are one of the important elements? So we just talked about how important it is to be a person of substance. If, and we're not talking about leadership in the, in the sense of... Uh, we're talking about the should version of it or what good leadership is, is yeah. my assumption. Because if, you, if anybody follows you or if you... you know, like we're all leaders in different walks of life. And that, some, some of those walks, we don't want the resp- responsibility of being a leader... <laughs> But especially where, where we do badly, like uh, like for most of my life, I was not the person to follow when it came to getting things done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, when I was pretty young, I got that had that identified as a, a problem area in life. It's more of a dreamer, and so I've spent you know my career spending way more time than people who just naturally do it. Uh, to figure out how to do it and create systems for doing it, etc. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you look at good leadership, substance is clearly important to you. I mean, it's huge. I mean, values are just tremendous. Mm-hmm. So is there a key area that you've that has sh- your focus shifting? Well, there's more. Yeah. So so where before I was focusing primarily on values mm-hmm. and and really working on that inner life to make sure that that people have a chiseled soul. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a phrase. Chiseled soul. Yeah, he, he has a chiseled soul. Right, but but there's more than that because because you know I would I would help people get to that level uh, where they really feel that their internal life is healthy. They are doing well. What they're bringing to work is mm. is you know mentally, emotionally, physically they're they're banging on all cylinders. Mm. But still, they were screwing up in the way that they were working with people. Mm. The best of intentions. Hmm. And yet, still, people are getting trod under. Do you mean like on the simple technique side, management yeah. side, or yeah? Because I think that's where that's some of the missing pieces there. Uh, there's a whole lot when it comes to just the basic: how do you lead somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the actual day-to-day behavior that you need to bring into play? And when that's missing, people get really frustrated. Hmm. So I'll give you an example. Um, uh, from my firefighting service, uh, I've been part of of some group times times where fire departments come together, and so there it's because it's a really big event. It's called a mutual aid. We're called in to back somebody up, or we've got a big event and we call in other departments. Mm-hmm. And different departments are at different levels when it comes to how good they are at working together, their leadership structures and styles. Mm-hmm. And there's been a couple situations where. I'm on scene, and we roll up, we're ready to help, and we radio in to the incident commander and say, okay, we're on scene, what do you need? And they just say, well, stand by, we'll let you know. And then you sit there waiting and waiting, and you don't hear anything. And so then you send somebody to find the incident commander, they talk, and the incident commander is just overwhelmed with what's happening. and. And so they eventually tell you what to do and you go off and you do it, but you get there and it's a waste of time. 
it's because the commander is so overwhelmed, mm -hmm. they need to start spreading some of the management decisions out to other people, but they're keeping it all to themselves, which is basic bad leadership, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I teach about, about how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So it's really frustrating when you show up there and you've got a whole bunch of people who are well-trained, well-meaning, nobody's there you know, wanting to mess the situation up, but because the system isn't working, uh, you, know, it, it, you could have, again, a very well-chiseled soul mm -hmm. leader in that, that uh, fire chief that you're coming to help. Mm -hmm. But if they're not using a good system, you get in trouble. So that's, mm. that's a big part of this, is not just working on the inner substance of mm -hmm. a person, but it's, it's also then how they, how they manifest their leadership in the practical systems of, mm. of leading people. That's, I mean, that is, I think there was this whole, I don't know if it just comes from John Cotter and then the kind of cutting a knife between leadership and management. And then people, yeah. people feeling like, well, that's a manager. That's not like a leader. I don't know if it comes just from that and uh, who that started with, but there was this kind of this divide where manager, bad, leader, good. And, and maybe somewhere in there, some of the emphasis got Got a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I actually, I think that was a dead end. I think that's a, that was a dangerous hmm. uh, place that we went in in management hmm. literature, in leadership literature, uh, and you still see it today. You still see people writing articles and and talking about the differences between leaders and managers. And you're right, mm -hmm. managers bad, leaders good. Mm. I'm not a manager. They'll mm. say I'm a leader, and uh, and I I think those two are so blurred together that they they should never have been separated. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I mean, one of the things I learned this la the last uh, uh, the last couple of years when I was in another leadership company is just how vital management is. I know in HumbleStrong, one of the things we've worked on is this uh, the idea of our operating systems for businesses and stuff, mm -hmm. which is weird for a leadership company to work on. But it's because of how important it is to have healthy management patterns, to have have uh, competency in management, that that actually is such an important part of leader that you can't be a good leader without it. Mm. And so I bet that means that uh, some of the tools you build into your stuff are focused around building better managers as well, not just people of substance. Yeah. So that's yeah. shaping your mission. Yeah. And would you say, uh, would you say that, uh, that there's a certain, um, when you when you when you bring those together, is, what's what's another element that you use as a glue? Or, or well, again, part of that that internal thing is is the uh, the humanist aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, and I look at this from some some of my training, the Ignatian humanism. Uh, is the basic gist of it. Yeah, what's, okay. what's yeah, humanism? I mean, it's, humanism is, is huge, but it, there's lots of different facets to it. But let me just boil it down to just this one basic uh -huh. gist of it. Um, there's this idea there that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I know that's not gender appropriate, but the basic gist is our systems should work for humans, not humans for the systems. Uh, the way that our work environment operates should be such that it's not burning people out, treading mm -hmm. them under. It should be the complete opposite, that mm -hmm. you go to work and although at the end of the day you're tired, you're not shattered. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there are some jobs, you know, especially in the emergency services that you go to work and afterwards you need to spend time with a psychologist because mm -hmm. there was some, you know, some really hard calls. Mm -hmm. But overall, especially for a lot of the companies that we work with, mm -hmm. When, when you've got employees that are working there, ideally, they 
they become greater humans mm-hmm. because of working in that environment. Mm-hmm. They're, they're developing in, like holistically, they're mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually, socially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you're still, you're doing a good work, but mm-hmm. you're not destroying people. So you, what I'm hearing you say is that uh, rather than seeing leadership as performance, uh, that if you had, like, if your weight went anywhere, it's kind of the focus on people as people. Like human, I know you. I know you yeah. studied a lot of approaches to leadership in your PhD. So maybe you can speak to why well, you lean that way, or if I'm not, I'm not hearing you right. Well, I think by, you brought this up with that idea about human. I think one of the challenges that I bump into a lot is that it's engineers who end up climbing the ladder more than most other people in mm-hmm. organizations, and so as a result, they're bringing often an engineering perspective to a leadership situation. And with an engineer, generally, mm-hmm. you studied for years about how to fix problems with machines or architecture mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And quite often, the way you fix a problem with a machine is to take to swap out the broken part with a brand new part. Mm. And once you've done that, now the machine should work perfectly. Right? But you, you can't do that with a human system. Mm. You can't. You know, someone's not working well, you can't just fire them and put a rookie in and now all of a sudden it's going to work just fine. Uh, you you got to think of it more like ripping out, uh, you know, uh, uh, the roots of a tree or ripping out um, an, organ? A, an organ from your body, right? Mm-hmm. And replacing it with something new. You know, it's going to take quite a while for that to heal. Mm. And you do damage whenever you, you do something like that. And so quite often I'm working with engineers to mm. help them to understand that we're working with the human system, mm-hmm. uh, not a mechanical system. That's interesting because I, like, I gravitate towards engineering type ways of looking at stuff because I'm not that, like I'm not, my brain doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a field I can endlessly play in and I'm never going to get sucked in because I'm firmly not that kind of a person. And so I can just try to bring more of that. And like, like when I, like I like using the term engine, I think we had talked about this one time before, but I like talking about engines and how companies have these engines that they're building. And, uh, and that's very engineering-y, hmm. mechanical. But I, I like it because I don't, I'm never going to become just, I'm not that kind of a brain. So I, I never think just me- mechanically. So I can pick up those things and it helps clarify stuff for me. It reminds me that this, there's a system here. We can, we can take it apart. We can understand it. It's not a mystery. There are things, there's causes and effects. And sometimes it's really hard to understand. Sometimes it's not worth taking the time to understand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not worth fixing, the, like getting into the pump yourself and fixing elements of the pump. You do get a new pump. And there are ways of knowing when to do that and when not to do that. Um, but, when, but when you bring up the system of the human body, that sounds healthy to me. It sounds a lot more like gardening. It sounds a lot more like this this, there's this, not that we can ever have, you know, full side of stuff. We can know that this affects this, but when we put it in, we're kind of going to find out, mm-hmm. well, actually your body's rejecting this. Now we need to do this. So there's science, there's evidence, there's figuring, like knowing what you're talking about, but there's also an element of what's going to happen. This is organic. Uh, so yeah. you would say, yeah. so systems are a big part then. Well, it's systems thinking. Yeah. And, and you're right. The organic systems thinking, uh, recognizes that, there is a complexity to any kind of physical system as well as there's a complexity to, uh, you know, your organizational systems. Mm -hmm. That means if it's complex, Mm -hmm. it means there are so many variables to the situation that it is literally impossible 
to completely predict what's going to happen when you change variable A. Mm -hmm. Change this here, and you think it's going to affect this and this, and maybe it does, but it also is going to lead to some unintended consequences over here. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's use the allegory of a bunch of cogs and wheels. Let's say we're trying to get this one wheel spinning at optimal. Mm -hmm. And so we make tweaks and adjustments, and we finally get this one spinning at the right RPM. Mm -hmm. But what often happens is somewhere in, in the whole system, to get that one spinning optimal, this one over here had to start to slow down beyond where it should be. And this one over here is overheating because it's going way too fast. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the allegory. Mm -hmm. Now, allegories really are helpful because they're, we're able to take a construct that is really complex, and put it into a, you know, a, a, a visually compelling picture. Mm -hmm. However, it the allegories always break down, mm -hmm. and so that's where it's nice. You can spend some time in allegory, but then step out of that and and mm -hmm. step into first principles, mm -hmm. right? Elon Musk uses that quite a bit. It's not his idea. It came mm -hmm. went all the way back to Aristotle. Yeah, and you, what you want to do is boil it right down to the most simple constructs. Mm -hmm. And then think from there. So that's another part of how I work. Hmm. Dancing back and forth between allegory, like we just did. Mm -hmm. And then, don't stop there. Then you've got you've to put that allegory aside and get right down to the brass tacks. What does this actually mean? So, Monday morning, mm -hmm. when you walk in, close your office door, what are you actually doing? Then when you make that telephone call mm -hmm. to that staff member, what actually is going to happen? What's the, what's mm -hmm. the nature of that, that conversation going to be? Um, uh, so if I, took, if I took this system stuff, so let's take like one, of the, one of the tools, uh, just a simple exercise I use a lot with different businesses I work with, uh, is, to, is to use different tools where you kind of take things that, you, that are already internal and put them out in different ways. And one of those ways is manifesto. Okay. And so if you yeah. put that into the extreme, like manifestos are extreme. It's, there's a lot of good reasons for businesses to kind of write a manifesto and take a stand on stuff. Not because the world is actually that dramatic. We're taking a stand on gears, right. you know, but it does help a lot. It helps tremendously. And so if you, if you put that into a, either like a, a statement where you were saying this, not that systems, not like what kind yeah, of okay. if it was a line yeah. in a manifesto? So that's what I was going to ask be, you. So yeah. when you're working with with companies, mm -hmm. are you when you have them doing a manifesto? Is mm -hmm. it we want to see this change in the world? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yes. And and I try to find I try to find the overvalues or the differentiating values, not the kind of things where everybody in your everybody in your industry is going to agree, but the places where you disagree, and and if you a manifesto is kind of like a it's like a revolution. You're saying, no, everybody's Not going this, this way. We will do that. Yeah. And okay. for us, so, so for instance, if you feel like, listen, there's a whole school of manifest, there's a whole school of leadership that is so great man performance orientated mm -hmm. that I'm going to just go with a complete different direction and say, I think number one, building a leader is making somebody a person of substance. There's 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 a there's a divide there where I say substance over performance, or where it's not that both are it's not that one is good one's bad it's that you have to make a choice a priority this over that. Sometimes it's a choice mm -hmm. to combine things. Mm -hmm. It's and it can be really hard. 
I know humble, strong, obviously have humble and strong. Right. <laughs> and these things coming together uh, provides a, a map for, for healthy activities. And, and uh, so if you think about uh, systems, um, there is an inherent sense that people are missing this. People are, yeah. like, like you're saying, engineers are looking at it without thinking about. So you would make, so perhaps your manifesto would be something about that, that uh, leadership, uh, good leadership is run is is working with people is working with systems in a way that reflects the human body as a system rather than a mechanical engine as a system mm-hmm. and you, and you can and, and your choices uh, really and I'm, I'm interested in your choices because you've you've studied lots of different approaches to leadership and you have this and for you because you've been in you know academics in academics, you're allowed to be super complex, so you have a thousand thoughts on leadership approaches, and so when you try to put that down on paper, yeah, um, it's it would probably quite a struggle because you're thinking about you're making a lot of choices. But a helpful well, thing is to just simply write out this over this, like so for agile. Agile is a you know system of management for managing projects. Sure, especially that's you, if you're doing um, uh, software programming, right? Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they just chose we're going to choose shipping. We, we, we want we want to get it out fast and so like shipping and done over done well hmm. that's a hard choice but it's ultimately because they think the only way to get something done well is actually by shipping it a lot and changing it a lot hmm. iteration so when you look at when you look at leadership when the, when you talk about substance what's what what is some of the underlying choices you're making Am I am I hearing them right? Are you choosing substance over? Yeah, that's interesting. Would you put performance, or would you put over? T- over title is too easy. Leadership's not a title. But I really that's want that question. title. I'm, you know what? I'm interested to hear what other people would say if, mm. if they've developed manifestos. Before I answered, have you guys got a manifesto with humble strong? We do the humble strong manifesto. Yeah. As, I mean, it was one of the first things we did as we kind of gelled. I mean, we we've been running. We run partially as a think tank, and we do coaching and other stuff. But one of the things we went through is is these kind of statements. I mean, we what, so one of the main lines we we had is that uh, that, that there we we've expressed it a lot of different ways, but simply it's that we don't believe in these gurus. Mm. And eventually, uh, we 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 found two different paths. This a guru path. And then you have the, now we're developing more of the minor path. And these labels might change as we develop these ideas because we don't believe in, we, we've been around a lot of gurus. A lot of people want to be a guru and want to have achieved some level where they sit on the mountain. People come to them and they spew their wisdom instead of being in it. Mm. And when I think about expertise and the healthy part, so I mean like you're an expertise, like you have a PhD, you've done, you've done a lot of work and so that. That work is, is, he's up there thinking he's all the smart with his work, and yet you just, it's really simple. It's not that. It's that, in, on, on one hand, you, an expert goes into the mine, they dig into the mountain, and they find gold. Okay. And they keep digging. And they invite others to dig with them. And they dig, and they dig, and by inviting others in, there's a lot more gold comes out of the mountain when a... A, a guru might find a piece of gold and hey, this this is worth something, and stands on the hill to dish it out. And there's a and there's this a guru culture where you're worried about your station, and it shuts off learning, it shuts off, it, it aggravates ego, it, it aggravates a bunch of unhealthy 
behaviors. And there's this sense where sometimes when we're going up the mountain or, you know, if we're going up the ladder or if we're trying to advance in our field in any way, shape or form that we're hoping to one day be a guru, mm-hmm. to be someone who doesn't have to explain to somebody else, this is why we do this. You just say, this is the way, this is the best way to do it. Right. And every time I've gone to that level and done that, it hasn't worked, especially with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do this. <laughs> I am unquestionable. <laughs> Are we ever unquestionable? Uh, And we found for us that at the root of what we think healthy leadership is, is never letting yourself move into the unquestionable category. I have arrived and I've learned everything. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. That every time you think you're a guru, you're missing that there's a growth loop that you're you're not going to take. Right. And so you're you're done. You know, it's interesting because guru, I mean... Today's modern word for guru, we could replace it with consultant, which, you know, we're kind of we in are. that field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but um, when you look at the archetypes for the guru, mm-hmm. you guys probably looked at this, but, but the shadow side of, of that archetype is someone who is really selfish with their knowledge, uh, doesn't share it, doesn't, uh, mm-hmm. and only, only shares it for a major... Mm-hmm major amount of money. I mean, that plays directly into our, the humble strong as a business. Our financial model is to take the knowledge thing and get rid of it as the value equation. So, I mean, one of our goals is to get all of our knowledge out online for free because just flip that. So instead of hoarding knowledge, because again, we've worked like a lot of us, a lot of those guys, our co-founders, they have a lot more years in leadership than I have. We've been around a lot of people that kind of create this kind of curriculum that they don't want to I'll tell you about this if you pay me some money. Right. Yeah. Instead of under, instead of flipping it, so the because the hard part of leadership is really that I can't listen to this conversation and then I'm better. I can't go to a weekend and I'm better. It's slow. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's through habits and it it takes it takes it's hard to do. It's very hard, and especially when we're honest with ourselves, it's hard because we we can we can take two steps forward externally and internally we could be sliding backwards because it is it's hard to do in a healthy way and i mean for us i mean our, our current slogan and again these things i think if you're a learner and you're and you're wanting to grow uh truly which is what this is about then you're then you should be open to change and so our current slogan is uh that leadership is competency with well-being and that's us again trying to hold two worlds Still together. Being, yeah. okay. that you, you're growing in competency. That's where the management stuff comes in. You have to be growing in competency. But if you don't grow with well-being, the competency actually doesn't. It doesn't become competency. It actually works against you. It works right. against your team. And it, also at the same time, well-being, lacking well-being, keeps you from becoming competent in all sorts of areas. Just like we were discussing, like the idea mm-hmm. of being a guru, somebody who's arrived. Well, if, if you have that, that means you're lacking. There's a certain part of your well-being that needs to hold on to that information. And so when you, when you work with companies, when you work with other people, you hold things back to sell it instead of being free with it. And, and there, like, one of the reasons why, why we believe this or we've taken that overvalue, we want, want – so instead of hoarding knowledge, knowledge is important, say, no, we're just going to – we're going to give it away, is that there's so much knowledge, there's so much brilliance out there. Like there's so many books that are full of brilliant people and we don't need to tuck their books underneath our clothes and be like, look how brilliant I am. We can say, Hey, you should read this too. This is, this is brilliant stuff. It's hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And we, we, uh, 
I, I think that as as you as you as you encounter more and more tools, and I, I wonder how you process this. You 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 end up with all these things you don't use that are awesome. Like you said, the cobbler does, yeah. is not wearing good shoes because he's making other people's shoes, or his kids don't have the shoes. Like I mean, making <laughs> lots of websites for people. My website usually has been terrible. <laughs> But also it has to do with where you make money, and yep. if 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 it's about priorities, if I made money by people landing on a website and choosing me instead of through referrals or through other ways that I think are more important for the kind of work I want to do, um, my website would be of more importance. And if just like in a business, you want you might want a video that's not going to sell more <coughs> things if you're selling B two B because they don't they're not cruising videos or business to business. <laughs> <laughs>